if you recognize the improvements and you can grab a hold of them and focus on those and reinforce them and say, babe, I know you still had a really hard time, but you know what? You used to cry for 30 minutes and this time you were able to cut it off in 10 minutes. How'd you do that? Mm. Then all of a sudden, what it does is it gives them empowerment. They start to understand that they have self-control and it starts to become easier and easier to do. And so, but yeah, recognize, reinforce. And then of course, third R is to repeat. Because that's what I want to remind everyone is we're always consistently this going not, through not the just a one-time steps. thing that this is going to go away. <laughs> no, this is a life practice that, from what I'm learning, because I, I brought this out. You know, when I wrote the three books, I brought them out for parents. But what parents started to say to me was, "This helps me in my marriage. This helped me in struggles at work. This helped me, you know, with so many different relationships." Because now I'm approaching them in a very different way. Mm-hmm. It's more productive. everyone, blissful parents out there. I'm your host, Michelle Abraham, and I'm super excited today. I'm bringing you a great guest, LaFea Mitchell. LaFea is a family and marriage counselor. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's a coach. She's the author of many books and also the founder of the LaFea Way. Sorry, I was going to say the LaFea Method, but it's the LaFea Way. So LaFea, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, hello. So great to have you here. You know, when I first was connected with you, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be great for our parents. You've got so much great expertise and skills and oh my gosh, just knowledge and life experience. And so, yeah, let's just bring it today for our parents out there who are struggling. And, you know, today we're going to be talking about like, you know, how do you go about, you know, it's tough these days for our parents, like, and we're in the midst of a pandemic and stuff. It's like, you know, today we wanted to talk about the LaFeo way two steps forward, one step back, <laughs> parenting overly sensitive, hypersensitive kids during the pandemic. So Lafayette, talk, talk to us about that. Like, well, how did you come up with this method? And, and uh, tell us a little bit about it. Okay. So I've been coming up with this philosophy, the Lafayette way for my entire life. So I'll explain that a little later, but my entire life, like this is like my life's work. I kind of fell into mental health as a first job when I was 18 years old, working with severely emotionally disturbed adult male sex offenders and or developed and developmentally disabled as well. But they had lots of behavioral issues. And that was at 18. And what I learned quickly was that I worked well with this particular group that they were very non-compliant with many of the staffers, but not they were very compliant with me. And there was just kind of this natural way that I go about doing things that I had not identified as anything important. You know, it's just how I am. And then I kind of went into other work and it was always centered around mental health. So it's been a very long time that I figured out that I wanted to be a psychology major while I was going to school. You know, I wanted to be a nurse at first, but I have this love for the mind, you know, the workings of the mind and helping people to heal, really. Okay. And so, and we fast forward to, because I can't tell you my whole life because it's too long, uh, but we fast <laughs> forward day, to, right? <laughs> I started to do some uh, work for an, an intensive outpatient clinic. And that's where I really learned uh, that there's something really special about the way I, I do things, about the way that I work with, especially children who are hypersensitive. Mm-hmm. So whether we're talking about children who are, which through the I, I, IOP program, there was mostly children who were on the autism spectrum, severe ADHD, moderate to, to severe social, emotional, and behavioral disorders. Those who have been failing treatment, you know, suicide attempts, the gamut, right? Mm-hmm. And so there, 
I, I learned I had an extreme comfort level with working with the toughest cases. So whenever there's a really, really tough case, people are like, oh, yeah, just send it to LaFayette every time. And I'm like, bring it all. Let's go. Right? <laughs> yeah. and, and for years, my colleagues and the parents and teachers and all kinds of people were telling me, oh, my goodness, what are you doing? You know what? There's a you know one of the sec- secretaries that worked for us. She was like, "There's a method to your madness. What is it? <laughs> you know, there's something special about what you're doing, and there's a repeat of it, and you're having this success with children who have been and families who've been failing treatment for years. And so then, at first, it was just like, "No, leave me alone. You know, it's just a gifting. I don't <laughs> care afraid. about all this weird stuff. <laughs> right? Back off. You know, and especially when they were talking about writing books, like I don't write." I don't like writing. I never liked writing at any point in school. And so, you know, it was, there was a lot of years of resistance Mm -hmm. until I think it was just one day I got just that one more case where there was a young lady, 15 years old, who had been failing treatment, if you could believe it, for 10 years, since she was five. So like the failed treatment, just can you tell, can you tell us a little bit of like that is like in your world? Like, what does that mean? The failed treatment? Every therapist they go to, there's there mm-hmm. are no results. So that ah, just, it gotcha. just means that that people they eventually get to a place where like there's nothing we can Try do to help. Yeah. Like this child cannot be helped, and you know through schools or whatever therapeutic programs they've been through. So that's probably so frustrating for the parents and the kids. Yes, too. Like, yes. Oh and most of the time, I would get the people in who were feeling so hopeless, mm-hmm. and I love to like kind of call myself like the giver of hope. The mm-hmm. parents would come in hopeless, and they're like. Oh, you know, we tried this before. It doesn't work for anyone, but with anyone, but, and I'm like, you know what? You can just thank me later (laughs) and bring them in. I'd always get every single time. They're like, well, they won't stay. They won't come in to see you or they won't stay in the office. If we leave them, we don't stay in there with them. They're going to leave the office and I get all this stuff. They come in. Children were fine. They come out shocked and surprised. Like, oh my goodness, (laughs) what is happening? Why did, and then why do they want to come back and see you? You know, and all of that. And so. It took a lot. It took about 15 years of me being very, very hard headed. <laughs> but eventually I got to a place where um, it was kind of like I kind of got pinned down. And it's like, OK, now you have to do this. You're going to feel really bad unless you, you start to share. share. You got to share your secrets. <laughs> yeah. And so but I didn't know what my secrets were. I just thought, OK, it's a gift. It's just the natural way I am. But there really is a method to it. Mm-hmm. And so basically I started to just kind of just down, I call them my downloads. I just started to write just a bunch and I'm like super old school. So I was like handwriting everything, which is ridiculous. <laughs> so handwriting everything. But I ended up with the, the 60,000 word encyclopedia of information that I really, I was like, okay, I poured out all the information that I think I had in me. Right. Mm-hmm. And now what? And so then just wonderful, like just the universe aligned and everything kind of lines up and works out. Then the next thing I know, I'm being introduced to a woman who calls herself the book creator. Mm. And she just so happened to be the mother of two boys on the autism spectrum who are now adults. And basically what she told me was, if I had this information when my children were younger, I'd still be married today Mm. because it caused so many disruptions with with my life Mm -hmm. and my marriage. And I was like, well, that's a big deal. And then she said, I don't see one book because I was just going to, it's just one book in my mind. You know, I don't know how to write books. And so I don't see one book here. She said, I see about six to seven books and we're going to break them down into bite-sized pieces mm-hmm. so that we don't super overwhelm parents. Already overwhelmed very people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Because they're already overwhelmed with so much information as it is. Yes, yes. 
That's amazing. And so tell us a little bit about each of those books and, and and together, is that the way that you've created and what can we share with our parents right now? Some tips that they're maybe at home right now. And it's been a long year. Let's just put it that way. And thinking that coming into the new year, that things would be getting better. And I think for, for a lot of people, things are not moving in the direction that they want to be moving in. So can you share us some tips on how we can navigate right now? Yes. Now, right now, you're that's entirely right. There's a, this time of just extreme, almost like shell shock and disappointment, because I think there was just all this hope centered around us clicking over to the year 2021. Now, here we are two months into it, same pandemic, you know, and so there's a lot of depression, frustration, anxiety, and all of that. So I think that I think that where I'd like to start is with maybe let's go over the four steps of the Lafayette Way because okay. what the Lafayette Way does, which I haven't even gotten to that part yet, what it does is it is the pathway to healthy relating, especially with those who are hypersensitive. Mm-hmm. And by hypersensitive, I mean with social, emotional, or behavioral disruptions, whether diagnosed with something or not diagnosed. We know when people are right. a little extra sensitive. Okay. And so when you I think everyone's the, extra sensitive right now too. <laughs> I, right, right. The whole world is hypersensitive right now. <laughs> and the hypersensitive people are hypersensitive on steroids. Right <laughs> so, so that's true. That's very true. But with hypersensitivity, the whole, my whole uh, philosophy is built around the concept of emotion soaking. So with hypersensitivity, and I'll define it, with hypersensitivity, you get an extreme sensitivity to how other people are feeling, their internal feeling energies. And now I know that that is, that is very much on, in line with the empath's you know, experience. But there are those who are not labeled the empath. As a matter of fact, they could be labeled the exact opposite. Like they don't care. They don't want to care for. They mm. push away you know, the needs of others. But there's a spectrum of people who fall along this line of of strong emotion soakers and hypersensitive people tend to be that. So what that means is they just, they feel very deeply into the feeling energies of other people. So if someone is feeling, say, very angry, you know, something like that, then you get, if you have, say, if you're a parent and you have a hypersensitive kid, you come home, you're not really angry at them yet, right? You know, maybe you're just angry (laughs) about something from work or whatever. As soon as you ask your child to say, clean their room, for example, but you were already having a bad day, they may have an extremely negative reaction to you asking them to clean their rooms. As a matter of fact, they may even feel like defensive as if you're upset with them when you ask when they haven't really done anything wrong yet. Mm -hmm. And so it is, they're very, very sensitive to the feeling energies of others. So with that in mind, Mm-hmm. Then when you're dealing in the Lafayette way and the Lafayette way, you have to think of it in this way. It's like the ingredients you need mm-hmm. to have, like if you were to bake a cake, I love to use that as an example, bake a cake. You need all of these ingredients to have a beautiful and good tasting cake. Mm-hmm. If you're missing any of the ingredients, you're either going to have an ugly cake or a nasty cake or both. <laughs> and now do the ingredients have to go in the same order? And is there a particular order the ingredients go in or no? It's no, just no, the ingredients it doesn't have to go in a specific order. But now mm-hmm. when I run them down, you're actually going to see how they all work together and complement one another. And we just kind of keep in the cycle of the four steps. But the first step of the LaFailway is to find your calm. Parents, 
hate this, right? Right. A lot of parents say this. What do you mean find your calm? It's hard to calm down when you have, you know, <laughs> have, you know, him over there, you know, hitting his sister and then I'm what I'm supposed to be calm in the situation, right? You know, so but the first step is find your calm. And the reasoning for it is that when you're dealing with a hypersensitive person, child, we're gonna talk about the kids right now. When you're dealing with a hypersensitive child, they are going to first react and respond to what's coming from you feeling energy wise. So the calmer you are, Mm -hmm. guess what? The calmer they'll be, right? (laughs) So, and when we get into finding your calm, there are little techniques and tips and tricks for how to do that. One of my favorite that I just want to throw out there so you guys have a little something is to use the HALT method from the 12-step program, the hungry, angry, lonely, tired Mm check-in. So this actually works for, for finding your calm, but you'll see it, how it relates to the second and third steps as well. But but anyway, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. This is a check-in that you do for yourself first and for the other. So if you're in an interaction where someone is having a bad reaction, then you have to ask yourself, okay, wait, did I come into this extra irritated? Was I hangry before I entered into this conversation, right? Was I, did something terrible or annoying happen at work? You know, was I extra bored, which we all are now. So hungry, angry, lonely, tired applies a lot. The lonely part really applies often right now. Mm-hmm. Or tired, we all know what tired means. Did I get enough rest last night? Am I really extra tired? Do I need an app, right? Mm-hmm. But then you can ask yourself the same question about your child, because sometimes you're getting this reactivity from them based on one of those four things. And I have right. other acronyms, but I'm not going to throw you guys, I'll throw all that to you guys in one day. But hungry, angry, lonely, tired is a good way to really identify what's happening. So then that way you're less reactive to it and you're less apt to personalize what the other is doing. And you're also not so willing, so into taking yourself so seriously when you're very upset, okay? So find or come, understand the real truth is step two. Mm -hmm. Now, if you pay, you know, if you paid attention, you probably picked up on a part of finding your calm is understanding the real truth. So some of those little techniques I explained to you in there mm-hmm. are going to help you identify the real truth, which, which helps you to stay calmer, which helps them to stay calmer because they're drawing from your energy. Mm-hmm. So understand the real truth also includes you, you can ask yourself one real easy way is to just ask yourself, OK, so what's really going on here? Like, why are they so, what was the potential for them as far as how they're feeling? And what's the potential for me as far as how I'm feeling? So if, say, you ask your child to, I love clean your room because chores become an issue. <laughs> if, you ask them to, if you ask them to clean their room and they're, they have this big, big, ugly reaction to it or just an annoying reaction like, oh, you know, always have to be in my room or wait or, you know, all those things. Then if you're understanding the real truth, then you just understand really basically, maybe they just don't like cleaning. <laughs> right? So, so, and not that you, that's an excuse or anything, but it's something that if you understand it that way, instead of personalizing their reactions, yeah. like when they're like, oh, why do I have to clean my room? And instead of going into that, you know, parent space that we sometimes go to, which is, you don't appreciate anything. I do everything for you. I work all day, come home, cook dinner, you can't even clean your room, right? This is what <laughs> but. If we're understanding the real truth, we won't personalize their reaction. And then if we're understanding the real truth, we'll also understand where our reaction to their reaction is coming from. So mm-hmm. why are we triggered by their dislike for cleaning, <laughs> right? All right. So it gets kind of deep, but all of this assists with helping you to keep your calm because now you're operating in the truth 
mm-hmm. instead of operating in those wonderful little lies that we tell ourselves yeah. every day. <laughs> right. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So finding your calm, mm-hmm. understand the real truth. Oh, my third, my baby, my favorite one <laughs> is to react according to your truest intentions. This is the step that most people miss quite often. Mm -hmm. I would say that this one is so pivotally important that you have to kind of stop and really put this into practice in order to respond in the way that you truly mean to. So what, what do I mean by react according to your truest intentions? As parents, most of the time, I would say like 99.9% of the time, we want for our children to feel loved, safe, cared for, protected, all those wonderful things. And we want peace in our home, homes and all be good behavior. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So so react according to your truest intentions means that if you're looking for certain things, if you're looking to convey a certain or if there's a certain way that you feel in your heart, like loving, you know, all those wonderful things, then you will learn how to react as if that's what you intend for them to feel coming from you. Your truest intention is for them to feel loved, which means if you're finding yourself, say, like yelling a lot, <laughs> then you're not really reacting according to your truest intentions. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not coming from this like full, seriously, you guys, like full clinical background on this either. I have three of my own children ages, been through the teens. My oldest is 28. My youngest is 16. So I've been through all the ages, through all the personalities, right? <laughs> and all that. So I'm saying that over the years, I learned this myself because if I was representing something that I didn't mean to represent, what that would do is two things. It would cause more upset for me because I'm outside of myself. Mm-hmm. See, if you wouldn't do this, then I wouldn't have this reaction. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be yeah. on it, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and, I don't want to yell. <laughs> right. And then, and then go guilty later, right? Mm-hmm. And then the kids that we're dealing with, then we won't kind of chop, we don't mean to, it's not intentional at all, but we won't chop down their self-esteem. So that, because that's what happens is if you're being yelled at, you're constantly a disappointment, constantly a frustration, then you, you build up kind of this, this is how this has become your self-concept. Yeah. And so then, confidence. Yeah. yeah. So, so then I hear from kids all the time. Oh, well, yeah, I'm just lazy or I'm just this. I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, if you believe that you're lazy, then you're going to be lazy. Trust me. If you, you'll be whatever you say that you are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not really what you want to be. And parents don't really want that from their children. So saying things like you're lazy and things like that aren't helpful. But if you learn how to, and this is just my little quick, well, it's not quick because I take forever for everything, but but (laughs) quick trick, okay, is that you want to help, you want to grab a hold of the goodness that you see in them Mm -hmm. because it's really, truly, if we think about it, understand the real truth about it, most of the time we're frustrated and upset because we know that they can do better. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, then you want to grab a hold of that kid that you know can do better as opposed to grabbing a hold of the behavior that you don't want. Because with right. everything you grab a hold of, you'll tend towards getting more up. <laughs> this is all really good common sense really when you think about it but it's like yes. so hard to do in the moment <laughs> we're like yes you, okay so, yeah, so see, now you understand my former pain my <laughs> former pain was it's just good common sense I don't want to have to write it's just right. good common, you know and but then I learned I was being a jerk for saying that so <laughs> I stopped saying that because it's not natural even yeah. though when people hear it, they're like, oh my goodness, like this of makes course. so much sense. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know why I haven't been doing this all this time. And like, because it's not natural for us. Our human default setting is to focus on the negative. That mm-hmm. that was always for survival. 
So back in the day, we see a saber-toothed tiger. We need to have heightened reactions so we can run, so we can live, right? <laughs> and so now we don't quite have the saber-toothed tiger issues, you know, those going on. But when something comes up that kind of rubs us the wrong way, increases our, our stress senses, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, then we're having this like panic, fight or flight, you know, kind of okay. reaction that is not fitting for what we truly want. So then oftentimes we end up not getting what we want out of the relationships that we're in. And so the one question that I love to kind of pose to parents is this, that I, sorry, that I want parents to ask themselves when they're interacting in order to get to their authentic truth, right? React according to their authentic truth is ask yourself, hmm, which is more important to me? My relationship with this person, my relationship with my child or my relationship with that behavior? Because whichever one you choose is more important to you, you'll put more energy into. This gives you awareness of what you're doing because you want to put more energy into those things you want more of because you're guaranteed to get more of the things you put the most energy into. So if you have an acting out child and you're focusing all of your energy on exposing that negative behavior, on talking about that negative behavior, on, (laughs) you know, punishing for this negative behavior, you're going to get more of it and not understand why, <laughs> right? But now I'm explaining this to you. So now you know. Yep. Um, <laughs> now there's no but, excuse. <laughs> but if you want a child, you want your child to behave like that lovely child, you know, they really are. Then you speak to that. And you can say, you are such a, you are such, I know you're such a fantastic kid. Like, I love you so much. Like, seriously, I love you so much. However, when you do this thing right here, that beautifulness in you is not reflected at all. So I'm going to need you to learn how to react according to the real you. Because that other part is not even representative of who you are. Mm-hmm. If you start to talk to your kids in this way, mm-hmm. it becomes very interesting, their reactions. And you know what? <laughs> Sorry, I know I talk a lot. I have no, to I give, love one, it. I think it's I have to really give one, one quick example mm-hmm. because my my kids, they weren't easy kids. That's why I learned this stuff. Because, you know, I learned through practice. <laughs> right, which is why it makes you the expert because you've done it, you've done and, it all. And at home, I share it in my books that I have um, my first, my sorry, my firstborn. He was kind of Mister Cool, Mister Popular with a temper. And my last two, though, they were um, kind of what I call aspy kids. They're they're spectrumy, okay. And but my daughter, she was born with lots and lots of sensitivity, so everything bothered her. Like if voices bothered her, she did not want to do eye contact. And I taught her kind of desensitize till we worked on that. But so that's just give me a tiny bit of background. Yeah. But they weren't the easiest kids in the world, right? They gave you but three son, that were challenged so that you could be so good at what you do now. <laughs> and I was a challenge, so that's probably why the mom most. <laughs> But with my youngest, I learned so much about how I had to be internally. And I I learned about how to work with her in order because she could have been, uh, she could have had a lot of struggles in this world if I had not known, you know, how to handle her in a certain way for, you know, it, it wouldn't have worked out. But with my son, he was the I don't care kid. So he was like, I mean, he still is highly intelligent. He's 18 now, highly intelligent, but things were really easy for him in elementary school. He didn't have to really study or try to, or listen to teachers. He just kind of got everything. Middle school, same. When he got into high school, a little bit more required of him to listen. So he was kind of a breakdown in everything because he was like, well, you know, I don't want, I'm not interested in these assignments, not turning things in, you know, things like that. Right. And so we got to a place in space where he had a D on one of his report cards. And it was an interesting conversation we had because I know people hate this, but I don't really get like 
upset about things like this because I don't personalize it because it doesn't make me a failure as a parent that my child is having a struggle. <laughs> but so the way that I came to him was, but I do have to make sure that we keep things in order. So I said, son, your brain is not a D brain. You know, the best, this is how, this, this is our conversation. Your, your brain, sorry, not a D brain. If you were less intelligent and I'd be like, oh, poor thing, you know, okay, you know, this is the best he can do. <laughs> right? Right. So I said, Howard, that's not the issue that we're having with you. So since you have a D on your report card, I'm going to tell you that the only thing I can guess is that there's something distracting you from doing what you need to do in order to keep yourself at. And Sally, I'll say a C, but, you know, really A or B is where you belong. This is the conversation. Functioning at your level. And I said, and the only guess I can make since the thing you're most consumed with is that video game right there. I'm going to have to assume that it's the video game that's the distraction because my baby, I have, you know, I have a good smart baby. So it has to be the disruption. And so I said, so what we're going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold on to the game. I'm going to go ahead and we're going to remove that distraction until you get that grade up to see or better and all your grades have to stay there. And he was like, oh, but mom, I turned in these three assignments and it'll be different. You know, as soon as the teacher changes in the system, blah, 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 you know, his great master negotiator. And I said to him, I said, oh, you know what? I can only go by what I can see. And what I see through the porthole is that you have a D. And now I would suggest that in your future <laughs> that you not make your access to your games dependent upon when the teacher is going to put an assignment grade in there. <laughs> you know, that's how we dealt with it, right? Very so, good, very good. So, so the thing, so what happened was the consequence was there and the consequence was pure. Is when you do this, he's, he's now you're responsible for what you get. It, when you do this, this is this is what happens. When you do this, this is what will happen. And he just looked at me. There was no big argument. It was just like, okay, you know, kind of thing. Disappointed. Okay. You know, hurt my heart a little bit because he's such a sweetheart. So I don't, and okay. But these are the things that I went into operating according to the truest intentions, which Mm -hmm. is we want him to get better grades. I want him to recognize what things may get in the way. And I want him to understand that you work before you play. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, and so we worked it out just that way. In following, and this is all following the steps. He didn't do his work because maybe he doesn't like doing work. He's bored by, I understand he's bored by classes. I understand a lot of different things, but I also understand sometimes you have to be a little bored and you have to do things you don't really like to do in this life to function. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to, I want to recognize too, for our parents listening to this, that you said when this happens, it was like the when, not the if, like, I think sometimes we, uh, it are, um, we'll say, empty threats. Like if you don't do the dishes, I'm going to take away here. <laughs> if you don't do this, or if you don't, and I liked how you said, when you change your grades, then that it was a, when it was, so it was like in the positive already. Yes. And those ifs see what in, a lot of times what ends up happening, especially for a soft hearts, you know, when you do the threats, if you, you know, if you don't do this or that, then we end up kind of breaking a little bit, being a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And what, what ends up happening is the kids, they don't really have that safe space. Space. They need the safe space of the boundary with us. And ifs don't create a good boundary, a boundary at all, actually. But if there is any boundary, it's a really weak one. But whims create firm boundaries, mm-hmm. which is another very important thing with your hypersensitive child, because hypersensitive children tend towards being concrete thinkers. Mm-hmm. And so when you're really too loose and too unclear with what you're saying to them, then it becomes more about you just being mean or you being punitive or you actually being a liar. Because mm-hmm. sometimes parents will say, well, if you don't do this, then 
then I won't give you this or, you know, those kind of things. And the kids will find themselves maybe doing one of the things the parents ask for. And sometimes they're a little bit too vague too. If you don't clean your room, then you won't get this. They clean their room to their standard. Right. And the parents still won't give that thing to them. So now guess what? To them, their parent is a liar. Right. And do we need to be more specific for especially like hypersensitive kids? Like not just like clean your room. Can you put your socks in the drawer, your clothes in the drawer, and then take out the garbage in your room or something like that? Like do we have to be specific like that. That tends to work better. Yes. That is an excellent point. Yes. Especially, and I mean, truly, especially with those kids with sequencing issues. Now you do not have to have like this extreme lack of intellect, which is the frustration for many parents. Okay in order to have that tough time with sequencing, that tough time with knowing what exactly other people want. And a lot of parents will think that, you know, the kids are kind of, you know, being manipulative or playing games, but sometimes it truly is that they don't all the way get it, especially when they're, if they're on the autism spectrum, don't care how high functioning they are. And when we're dealing with autism spectrum, higher or lower functioning, we're dealing with kids who that's one of the primary uh, symptoms is that they have a very difficult time with sequencing. So they can be highly intelligent, highly intelligent, be able to answer any math question, you know, just off the top of the head, you know, and all that stuff, but they may not know what, how to clean properly. And so, yes, you're, that, that's exactly it. You break it down in steps. And if you do it in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming, mm-hmm. because what will happen is it'll feel like the parents, no matter what they do, that the kid will feel like, oh, well, if I do what they ask me to do, they just ask me to do more. Why is that? Because if you don't tell them the steps, then they just feel like, oh, clean your room. I went in, I cleaned my room. And now they're telling me, I, I clean my room by picking up my clothes from off you know, off of the floor, right? And now they're telling me I have to, you know, dust. Or now they're telling me I have to do these extra things when I already did what they asked me to do. And they get very upset by this. That makes and so, sense. <laughs> yeah. So when you get, when you get more specific and it's not treating them like they're stupid, it's not, it's not all those things that we put into our own minds. It's that they truly don't have what people call common sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it really is more difficulty sequencing than it mm-hmm. is specifically common sense. Well, so, and sometimes there, I would say that there's a struggle with common sense. I'm just, you know, yeah, you know yeah. so like common sense would be understanding what another person means when they say a certain thing. So we would say that's common sense. And a lot of times they miss that. They don't understand verbal cues, sometimes nonverbal cues. So you could have the biggest frown on your face. And especially if you have one that doesn't look at your face much, they're not picking up on that. If your body language is giving every sign that you're very upset and you expect for them to know that, then sometimes it's not going to happen the way that you think. So it's very important to say what you mean. And you can even say, or, and this is this this is like a double, double piece right here, because I, I do want people to start to kind of announce a little bit more what's going on with them. Because I think a lot of times we want for people to just already know. We want them to be mind readers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just not going to happen. Like you're going to be disappointed every time. You're going to think that other people don't care because they don't read your mind. It has nothing to do with their care. It has everything <laughs> yeah. to do with their abilities. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so to announce and say, hey, you know what? When I come home, for example, and I see that you just took your socks off in the middle of the living room, (laughs) that is so difficult for me to see. I know that's not an important thing for you, but if I see those socks on the floor, what that prompts for me is for me to feel like I need to have you clean, right? (laughs) So now I'm looking at this thing and now I'm thinking clean overall and you don't want me in that space. So just make sure that you don't leave your socks in the middle of the living room. You know, silly example, but I I have one that used to leave one sock in the middle of the living room room all the time. Like he just 
didn't want two socks on, just one. Take it off, leave it. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to make it non-beneficial for them to do that Mm -hmm. with an understanding that this is upsetting and you know it may not be upsetting to them, but it's something that prompts a certain thing in you. And when you're communicating, I love to share, ooh, the power talk formula. Oh, I found this on a wonderful game. It was like a therapeutic game. And it had this, what they call power talk formula. And it was it breaks down so fantastically that you can use it mm. in, in lots of situations. But basically it's when you dot, dot, dot. Okay. So mm. when you leave your socks in the middle of the floor, right? <laughs> it causes dot, dot, dot. This reaction that you don't really like much. And this is very important for your self-centered kid. Most hypersensitive kids do appear very self-centered. And we get lots of adults like that too. But if you speak to them from just how you feel about it, which the I feel, you know, that I I language works for certain people, but not really very well for hypersensitive people. But if you say, and when you, like I said, when you die, 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 it causes this reaction you don't like, which is it causes me to, you can throw in a feeling. I, I feel, you know, very, you know, frustrated by that. Like, you know, you think I'm the maid or whatever. Right. And what that prompts in me is this thing you don't like, which is, I feel like I should have you clean now. <laughs> right. That's just automatically planted in there. Okay. And then the next part, and I know that's not your intention is perfect it kills all the defensiveness Mm. because when we come to people and we're accusing them of things or we're saying they're doing certain things, all of a sudden there's this wall up and they're like, what are you talking about? Because this is not what I meant to do. Like, I don't care about what you're saying. You're, you're just overreactive. Right. 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 But we can kill all that by saying, and I know that's not your intention. Mm. And then last piece of the power talk formula. So please dot, dot, dot new behavior that will be favorable for you. So when you leave your socks in the middle of the living room, you know, it causes me to feel automatically like, okay, it's time to clean up and you're going to be a part of that. (laughs) And I know that's not your intention. So please just make sure that when you take the sock off, take it with you and throw it in a dirty clothes (laughs) hamper. Yeah, that's awesome. And I can imagine like to my, you know, just thinking about my five-year-old, like she doesn't really know what it means to have like clean your room, like clean your room and like can mean many different things and different, different things, especially to a five-year-old where, you know, so, you know, when I wonder why she just got up there and started playing and I'm like, that's because she doesn't know what to do really. Like, and I guess that's, you know, something that really need to teach them exactly what we want them to do in order for them to be able to do it. Yes. <laughs> is getting that, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. And when you get, and that's, that's the key. When you get mad about it, then remember it becomes about something other than what you truly wanted. Mm-hmm. When you get mad about it, it becomes that they're a disappointment. They're a nuisance. They're a burden. That's what it really becomes when we become upset as opposed to conveying what we truly, and then, then they take on this mentality almost like I suck. As a person, right? As a little person or a big person, whatever they are, right? I suck at. And so if they take that on, then they will suck more. So then all of a sudden they won't remember. They'll forget. They'll be in an anxiety behind pleasing sometimes. And and some will just give up altogether. So some will just forget and then be like, and then get yelled at and be upset with them, you and themselves, right? And others will just give up and they'll say, well, I can't get this right because I suck. Right. Yeah. And we don't want them to have that low self-confidence, especially at home in their safe place, in their safe place. Right. 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 So I think we covered, we, we got to your baby number three, but I don't think we said what number four was. 
oh, I know. And then I just got stuck there. Yeah, like, no, okay. was good. <laughs> and thank you for keeping me on track. And, and then step four is, mm-hmm. is how you really keep everything together. Mm-hmm. What ingredient is it with the cake that keeps it from falling apart? Because I'm not, a, I don't bake, but I just use I this think analogy. It's the- the flop. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. If okay. Well, anyway, we won't even try to go there again, uh, <laughs> but basically in order to hold it all together, you bring in the three R's is step four. And that's to recognize the step one. I mean, well, recognize this piece one of that R1. Oh, R1. Never use it that way. But anyway, recognize, reinforce, and repeat. What do I mean by that? I mean, recognize when you start to see positive changes in yourself, and your child, when you had a struggle area before by using the four step, you recognize those very small step differences because you want you want to build off of the small step differences. So we aren't expecting to start to use the LaFay way, the four steps, and we're going to get like these huge leaks. You may, but we're going to get these huge leaks. What we expect is that we're going to see improvement happen one step at a time. And if you recognize those small step improvements, say you have a tantruming kid and they used to tantrum for the whole day. And this time, you know, they cut it off after about an hour. That is an improvement. Mm-hmm. And when they go from that hour to 30 minutes, that is an improvement. When they go from 30 minutes to 10 minutes, that is an improvement. Mm-hmm. If you recognize the improvements and you can grab a hold of them and focus on those and reinforce them and say, babe, I know you still had a really hard time, but you know what? You used to cry for 30 minutes and this time you were able to cut it off in 10 minutes. How'd you do that? Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, what it does is it gives them empowerment. They start to understand that they have self-control and it starts to become easier and easier to do. And yeah. so, but yeah, recognize, reinforce. And then of course, third R is to repeat because that's mm-hmm. what I want to remind everyone is we're always consistently this going not, through Not just a one-time thing that this is going to go away. <laughs> no, this is a life practice that from what I'm learning, because I, I brought this out, you know, when I wrote the three books, I brought them out for parents. But what parents started to say to me was, this helps me in my marriage. This helped me in struggles at work. This helped me, you know, with so many different relationships because now I'm approaching them in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Right? It's more productive. Mm-hmm. For now, we're on parenting. So, yeah. I love it. That's so fascinating. I love your HALT, you know, the HALT method to then think about where you're at first and then also then the four steps of that and then the three R's. And I think those are amazing. Oh my gosh. I think that alone has helped all our parents listening today. And I know for me, I've been like, yeah, because I recognize a few things that I've done differently recently and I've gotten a lot different behavior recently. So I was like, oh, wow, that seems to be working well. And when you laid it out that way, it's like, oh, that's why. <laughs> and that's uh-huh. why. Okay. Yeah. So that's really great to know. Thank you so much. I know our parents out there have gotten tons of, I mean, I hope so. I've gotten tons of value out of today. So if anything, you've helped me. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure all of our parents out there are really appreciated how you have easily broken this down for us. So where can we find out more information about you? Where can our parents follow you? And um, before we let you go. Okay. So parents, what I have right now is so many, so many avenues for you to get education. If you can't tell, I love to educate. I love to teach and I love to promote healing and happiness in homes. It's like my, it's like my thing. It's like my life work, but what you can, you can visit lafayaway.com. 
first and foremost, and you can get to everything else that way. But I'll give you the other things, but lafayaway.com will take you to my Facebook page, my Instagram page. It takes you to my, oh, not my Facebook group yet, actually. So I'll t- talk to you a little bit about that, but it takes you to my YouTube channel. You, it gives you lots and lots of goodies. You can download a free book one, from one of my books. You can download a free book chapter. It's a good book chapter. So download it, get it. It's like really good information for you through the website and all that. So Lafayette L-A-F, like Frank, A-Y-A-W-A-Y.com. And don't try the HTTPS, that all that piece at the beginning, just LaFayeWay.com. If you do the HTTPS, you have to kind of put it in under my company name, which is a POMTSolutions.com. So I want to make it easy for you, LaFayeWay.com for everything. LaFayeWay.com website. You can go to Facebook, search LaFayeWay, and you'll find me. You can go to Facebook and search LaFayeWay group. I have right now a private group going. I am being selective about the people that I'm allowing in because I want it to be a very safe and supportive community. And so I have a few questions that I ask uh, ask of you. And the only thing is, it is that I ask is that you be very supportive when you come in or I'm very strict with my, with, uh, my boundaries and my rules as far as what you're allowed to say has to be positive advice. If you have a question about advice you want to give, ask me first if you need to, you know, those kind of things. So you can Facebook, LinkedIn, you can find me through Lafayette as well. Everything's Lafayette And you can find me on YouTube if you search Lafayette Those are the best ways to reach me. Get all my contact information through the website. So just click into contact me and it'll send a message to me. And uh, if you email me, I'll email you back or you can give me a call. All of my contact information is online. Okay, great. That's so great, parents. So really reach out to Lafaya because she's, as you can see, a wealth of knowledge and information, especially if you're struggling right now and have some difficulties in your home. There's no better time than now to start. So Lafaya, before we let you go, any last bit of advice for our parents out there today? Okay, my favorite thing to say when I end everything is stay you and stay true. And I'm going to say that now. Also, ooh, I forgot to mention, I also run a cute, what I call Q&A to Lafayette. Is a it's a parent support forum. I will not allow more than 20 people at a time in it because I want to make sure that everybody kind of gets personal attention. Mm-hmm. And but it's QA to Lafayette where you can come in, ask some of your t- tough, bring your toughest parenting questions. Oh, I oh. love them. <laughs> so bring your toughest parenting questions. It is just that's like my joy in life to answer those things. And you get me right there live on Zoom. If you go onto the website and you sign up for QA, the Lafayette way. Um, you'll see it's very easy. It's entirely free and it'll send you the Zoom link. If you don't get the Zoom link, just email me and I'll make sure I forward that to you. And then, oh, last piece, sorry. Last piece, I'm going to, I'm also starting up March 15th, a parenting empowerment program. So it's going to be, it's Parents Empowering Parents, PEP That's is what cool. we call it. And it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Highly recommend that you get in contact with me to find out more information about. So I have a basic program that is the private Q&A. So I have a public Q&A. And for this one, I'll give to parents where we won't be a a public forum. It'll be completely private meeting, Q&As, and book club, what I call book club. We're going to deep dive into the three books in the Way series, which you can find on Amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. You just search the Way. But yeah, we go deep dive. So there's a package for that. There's a package where you can get individual coaching sessions with me. There's a there's a package where you can get all of that plus access 
to my advocate that I have on board with me and my she's a she's a special education advocate. So if you are having any struggles with accommodations, IEP 504s for your children, we have that built into our program as well. It's awesome. We have social skills groups for those who are socially challenged. They're learning through um, an ABA approach and it's an ABA LaFayette way hybrid. So it is awesome. You guys <laughs> take it back. Amazing. Okay. You have so many great things for all of our parents out there. So parents don't struggle anymore. Reach out and get some help. And uh, I love what you have to offer. LaFayette has been so great. This has been a really informative interview and I think our parents have got a lot out of it. So thank you so much for being with us today and I look forward to having you back again someday soon. Yes. Thank you for having me. Okay. Bye. Take care. Put your <laughs> parents out there, go out there and have a fabulous week and be blissful. And uh, remember, it all starts with you being you, as LaFaya says, right? Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com. Thank you.